I'm Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief of the San Francisco Chronicle, and this is Fifth Emission. This morning, I spoke with Aaron Alday about some incredible news that broke last night, and we're going to get to that recording soon. But first, I want to make sure that all of our listeners are aware of two Bay Area events happening on Saturday. First, at noon on Saturday, Tony Bennett is going to lead Northern California in a rendition of his classic song, I Left My Heart in San Francisco. After that, we will have a 7 p.m. movie watch-along of Inside Out. You can find more info on both of these events at sfchronicle.com. And we hope you can join all of us at The Chronicle in these community events. Now, back to today's episode. Last night, health officials in Santa Clara County released some surprising news. It turns out that people started dying of the coronavirus in the Bay Area much earlier than previously thought. We now know that it was killing people in the very early part of February, raising all sorts of questions about how much we know about when the virus made it to California. Joining me to discuss this is Aaron Alday, the Chronicle's health reporter. Aaron, maybe you can bring us up to date. What was the news that kept you up so late last night? So last night around, I think it was around 8.30, the Santa Clara County Public Health Department um, issued a press release um, saying that they had identified three deaths from from earlier this year that upon retest um, turned out to be positive for the coronavirus. Um, so these are people who died of COVID-19 much earlier than anticipated. So there were two cases from February, including one February 6th, which is really um, the most remarkable one that has a lot of people, um, has gotten a lot of attention now. Partly, you know, this this is now the earliest reported death in the United States uh, from the coronavirus. The previous first death had been February 28th um, up in Seattle, Washington, or up near Seattle. Um, and so now we're looking at something at a death that's three weeks earlier than, than what had previously been reported. But also, you know, people who die from COVID-19, it's it's usually about a month after they're infected that people pass away. Um, so there's a you know, very good chance that this person became infected in early January, um, early to mid-January, which means that this, you know, virus was here then. The other thing that's remarkable is that the Santa Clara County Public Health Officer told um, our reporter last night that this person had no kind of travel to China, um, had not had interaction with a known case of the coronavirus. Um, And so, it's unknown where this person got the infection. And so they're at this point believed to have acquired it in the community, which, you know, suggested this virus was in the community, um, you know, back in January. Do we know anything about these people who died um, apart from the fact that they didn't have contact with anybody who had recently traveled to China? All that we know is all of the three cases that were retested were people who died at home. Um, but other than that, we we don't have much information about them yet. Um, I will be speaking with the, the the health officer later today, so hopefully we'll get a lot more information about you know, including we want to know why these these people were retested in the first place, um, and and you know what their what their situation was that they you know hadn't traveled and who they might have had contact with. Yeah, my my first thought was, are they are they exhuming people who who died to see if they had coronavirus or do they have tissues? How does how does that work? I think that's another excellent question. I mean, it's not impossible that that there would be tissues um, on hand, although 
you know, obviously most people who die, you know, there wasn't an autopsy done on them, I believe at the time, this was, you know, a new autopsy that was done. So there wouldn't be any reason to be keeping samples or taking samples and keeping samples from somebody who died, you know, at any given time. Um, so, you know, those, that's definitely a good question. You know, did they go back and exhume these bodies and, and why, why would they do that? Um, I'm also curious to know if this has become, you know, somewhat of a regular practice. Are there other cases that they have been been doing this with? And is this typical for a county health department to do this sort of um, work in retrospect? Yeah, that's actually, you know, I mean, everything about this this pandemic is not typical. So you have to be careful about that. But certainly, you know, the coroner's part of the coroner's job is to sort of be keeping tabs on, you know, mysterious deaths, deaths that were, where they don't necessarily have a cause. Um, there's something about it that maybe was remarkable. Um, and when they get more information, they may go back and retest it. So I think that was something, I don't know if you recall, this was, it feels like it was a decade ago, but there were these lung injury deaths that were happening that were connected to vaping um, last year. And a few of those cases were people, you know, where they were long recovered kind of out of the system, but, you know, that they were worth kind of going back and rechecking their lungs and later identified as early cases of that that disease, which was a whole separate thing. But yeah, so I mean, that's that is part of the work that public health does, which is, again, sort of, you know, checking in with their system of doctors, maybe they talk to people who work, you know, in influenza, and we're like, you know what, we were getting a lot of cases back in January that we that looked like flu, but they weren't. And now we're wondering, is it something else? It's just, it's incredible to me to think back to uh, February 6th. Is that right? That's when that's the first correct, yeah. person we know of that. And, and that's around the time that we started doing these podcasts about coronavirus. And there didn't appear to be any indication that it was circulating in the Bay Area at all. And now I'm thinking back on every cough I've had in the last six months. And, and in your story today, there was even a quote from... Um, an official, a, a doctor, I believe, who said, we don't even know, it might have been circulating in September, which is an incredible thought. I will say September is is very, uh, I mean, I don't think anybody, he was saying, I think that that September was going as far back in China, that there is some speculation that it was happening in China that early. Um, I don't think that anybody necessarily believes it was here. But I mean, the deal is that there is so much back and forth between China and especially the Bay Area that if you kind of step back and think about it, it's it's crazy to think that we wouldn't have had cases popping up earlier um, than what had previously been reported. You know, it's really easy in hindsight to look back and be like, you know what, we were really kind of naive. Like, you know, if there were tens of thousands of cases popping up in China in early January and knowing that this thing had started in December at least and possibly earlier, you know, of course there were cases that were arriving in the United States um, earlier than that or, you know, soon after those. Yeah. Well, it also, it, it also really um, calls into question a lot of the decisions that we know took too long from, from the federal government, even president Trump's decision to, um, effectively try to shut down travel to China seems seems I, I I guess you your words are the best that it seems really naive to think that with all the people we have coming between the two countries that this wasn't here just as soon as it was in in China for that matter. Yeah, it goes back to that issue of testing that 
you know, again, in hindsight, it's easy to say this, but we really needed to be on the ball with that. Now more than, you know, the, the more evidence we get, the more it's like we really should have been testing, you know, a lot of people way earlier than than we were. I'm speaking with health writer Aaron Alday about the news that people were dying in the Bay Area of the coronavirus. Um, we know at least by February, perhaps even earlier. Aaron, I want to take a break and get back to whether this is good news in the long run. We'll be right back after this. Before we went to break, we were talking about um, how how essential testing is, and we know the governor later today is going to be making some announcement or says he's going to be making some news about the testing, and I, I plan to, we'll do have another podcast with one of your colleagues about that, but it, it kind of, it, this morning when we were discussing it in our editor's meeting, I, you know, what, what is occurring to me is, is this good news in some way that this was here so much earlier? Does it give more credence to the idea that many more of us have been exposed to this than we think that, that than we know? I think that's a really good question to ask. I will say, and I'm I'm reporting this out, you know, as we speak. So there's, you know, there's a lot of information together. I did already have one one interview with um with a scientist this morning who studies he does genomic sequencing on these these strains, and one thing that he said is is all of the earliest cases that he's tested were very, very similar to the earliest cases in China. And I, I could explain in a lot of complicated words why that matters. But but his his endpoint was that, that what that shows is that there wasn't a lot of community transmission going on um, until around the time when we started seeing, you know, those first kind of unknown cases popping up. So he, he does think that there were there was a lot of that sort of travel-related infection happening, and he thinks that probably investigation is going to show that these people who died earlier, you know, had contact with somebody who had recently been to China, that there is going to be a very definite kind of link found. I mean, I don't, you know, who knows what we'll actually find. But but his point is that everything that he's looked at so far does not suggest that there was, you know, widespread transmission happening in January and February. So, you know, I'm getting a ton of emails, a ton of of you know, messages from from people asking, you know, saying I had, you know, I was sick in, in December and in January and February. I'm sure now that it was COVID-19. And most of the experts that I've talked to said, that, no, that's that's probably not the case. Even now, most people who have COVID symptoms, when they get tested, they do not test positive for it. Um, so I think it's, I don't think that we can necessarily count on the idea that this being evidence that this thing was widespread. All it says is that it was introduced here much earlier than we had thought. Um, it doesn't necessarily say that it was it was, you know, flying around like crazy back in, in January and February. So why does this sort of um, retroactive testing of the deceased, uh, why does it matter then? Well, I think you know, part of it is, is, I mean, you raised the, the one important question, which is, you know, we do need to find out how widespread this was. And it sort of puts more value in doing the sort of hindsight, you know, antibody testing and finding out how many people are infected. I don't think that's going to be, again, positive news that's going to help us much. Um, but, you know, a lot of this is, and these, this is, that's a question I'm going to be asking a lot of experts today is why does this matter? Um, and my guess is a lot of them are going to say for our current situation, it doesn't. 
you know, we're still in this, this shelter in place. We're kind of finding our way out of that. What happened and how this got here and how long it's been around doesn't necessarily factor that much into where we go moving forward. Um, but it is, you know, it does play into, you know, the next round of, you know, coronavirus that comes in. We're going to get another one down the road and hopefully we're learning lessons now about the importance of identifying these real fast because you can look back and think, well, if we had thought this through and thought, well, China's reporting a thousand cases, that probably means they have 10,000 or more cases. We have a lot of interaction with China. We should get on top of that. You know, we could have made some really definitive moves back in January that might have, you know, we might not be anywhere near where we are right now um, in, in the Bay Area and in California. It just, I, 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 in retrospect and, and as an intellectual argument, I think that's 1000% true. But to think in January when people were still going to major events and things like that, that we would be testing everybody in the United States, I, I can't imagine that would have even gone over well politically. Well, but if you think about it, you know, back in January and February, we were in the middle of the flu season and we test people for the flu all the time. So, and in theory, if you had a big ramp up of testing, if you were able to get testing out there, you could have tapped into, I'm way oversimplifying this. I'm sure there's reasons why it wouldn't work. But, you know, from what I told that, that there was talk early on of tapping into that flu surveillance network, if we could have done that, you know, to coincide with the flu season, it wouldn't even politically have been problematic to at least do that testing. And then, but you're right. But then it would be like, well, what do we do about that? You know, do we then kind of shut down these events? But maybe you know, at that point, it would have been a matter of shutting down large gatherings, and we wouldn't have had to go to, you know, this degree that we're that we're dealing with right now, if we'd been able to say, well, this is here. Let's, let's, you know, call off whatever season we were in at the time. <laughs> were we in basketball? I don't even know. My time is over. It was basketball season. <laughs> but Steph Curry wasn't playing yet. Right. So, so who matter. would care? Exactly. That's why I don't remember. But yeah, you could be like, let's just like put the put the basketball season on hold, put the NBA on hold and and you know cancel some some large events. But you're you're right. I mean I think it's really easy to to talk about this stuff in hindsight. You know, who knows? What other what what other questions are you going to be asking your sources today as you follow up on this news? Well, I think, you know, you you hit on the most important ones, which are, you know, why were these people tested? What was remarkable about their cases at the time? Um, you know, the obvious logistics of how that testing was done. I'm very curious to know if they're doing a lot more of this, um, both in Santa Clara County and and as well as, you know, other Bay Area counties. And if the CDC just in general is doing a lot of this testing of earlier cases, um, it's you know, kind of incredible that this is the first example of that. I have to assume that these kinds of studies are going on elsewhere. But but then again, Santa Clara has been kind of ahead of the game in a lot of ways. Um, one thing that's that's of interest is a little aside, again, the scientist um, I spoke to this morning, Dr. Chu at, at UCSF, he he has said that all evidence shows that the, the Santa Clara County cases were like a seeding event for the United States. So it's basically one of the oldest, if not the oldest kind of cluster of cases in the United States. So, so basically the, you know, one of the first, if not the absolute first um, cases, you know, brought into the United States and sort of then seeding, you know, other parts of the Bay area and, and even potentially other parts of the country. But, but the Washington outbreak and New York are, are totally separate. You know, New York came from Europe or, you know, specifically Italy. Washington apparently is a tied to a cruise ship. So, you know, each of these came from very different places. It's not like we had 
one event in the United States that then hit everywhere. It's sort of we had all of these these points of infiltration. And that's, again, what these cases, these early cases will probably show to us, especially as they do this genomic kind of sequencing of these, the, the particular strains these people are infected with. So I'm very curious about that, you know, what we learn about, you know, what what strain these people are infected with and and then potentially from that you figure out where they might have have gotten it from could it, is it possible that that genomic testing will tell us more about how the virus is changing too oh absolutely i mean that's one big thing that he's learning because so the the early tests that he's done or the tests that he's done on the earliest cases so far show that there's i think he said there was one mutation from the original they call it the ancestral strain from china so one mutation suggested it had not traveled very far um that it it hadn't you know if you if the more something spreads in the community the more mutations you will see building up because each time it moves from you know one person to another the potential for mutation comes along so the more spread you have the more mutations that will build up. So the fact that this mutation that he's looked at, or this strain that he's looked at in Santa Clara County, um, only had the one mutation from the original China strain suggests that it, this wasn't, you know, just free floating around Santa Clara. That's incredible. And I know you have to get back to doing all those interviews. Aaron, thanks for being with us this morning. Thanks for having me. I'd like to thank reporter Aaron Alday for being with me today. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. Fifth and Mission is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. If you like this podcast, please consider becoming a financial supporter of the largest newsroom in Northern California. You can sign up for a San Francisco Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod.